Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsok. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is one of our News and Cues episodes. The Q stands for questions, and the news stands for itself. The whole word, news. It's right to the point. Breaking news. All kinds of news. 
Uh, we are happy to be here. Uh, we're going to get to all those news, all those cues. But before we do that, we're going to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. You know what's next. A little bit later, we're going to have our force center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us. But that's not all, Joseph. No, there is still more. Inside Editions, publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books and other pop culture books. They are offering 35% off across their website if you use this special link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. This week, we're recommending the Insight Editions book, Inner Jedi Journal. It is going to be out in early January, and you can get 2022 uh, set off great by just trying to be a Jedi, just writing down your Jedi intentions in your inner Jedi journal, which I'm already thinking about, I'm happy about, and stressed out about. So if you'd like to join me in that journey, you can use this link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Use it. Use that journal. I think, you know, it's it's perfect time to start something new. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll do that myself there. Uh, yeah, wonderful stuff. Uh, we love the folks at Inside Editions. Uh, time to catch up, and this is uh, this is a big catch up. I I I was pretty much on a plane getting on about two hours ago or so. Uh, <laughs> we're really catching up at the time of the recording here. Uh, but I, you know, I, I've been out of the loop, Joseph. How how's your life adventures and Star Wars adventures been? Oh, my life and my Star Wars adventures uh, have been good. It is a busy time. It is a weird time. It's a difficult time in the world. Obviously, people uh, listening know that. But I did have some joyful moments, which were really good. Um, I got to see uh, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, at the uh, Grommans. It's no longer called Grommans, but I always call it Grommans. Yeah, I, I love that theater in my imagination. It will always be that magical faraway place that I saw in photos as a child. That's where people lined up in the 70s to see Star Wars. Yeah. Apparently there's footprints. Uh, and now it is a theater that I walk to. Uh, but man, uh, I know this is our Star Wars podcast. I'm sure we have overlap with the MCU, but it it felt like a Star Wars adventure because I haven't had this experience in a while, Ken. It was like uh, Force Awakens. It was like Endgame. It was like Black Panther. No spoilers about the film, but there's things in that film that people are very excited about. Uh, And to just be, everybody was masked. I I felt, you know, relatively safe, (laughs) as safe as one can, but I didn't take my mask off at all. Um, But just the eruption of of joy in the strange noises that came out of a large audience <laughs> of just joy and uh and for me everything that's in the film again no spoilers is uh it, it works totally as its own moment but it's also you know building on people's love of the character of spider-man the history of it um and it was just so joyful to be in that moment. It felt like uh, the same kind of reaction in the theater is, you know, Han Solo mm-hmm. saying we're home and popping on or the, yeah. uh, you know, reveal of the Falcon, that kind of thing. Love that. Yeah. Awesome. So that was, yeah, that was just, it was just an, an incredibly joyful moment. Uh, I laughed, I cheered, I cried for real at Spider-Man. So that was a nice life adventure. Yeah. Um, and then for Star Wars, uh, we, we were, we went out and, um, talked with a friend for a while after seeing the film and then we walked home and uh, we passed a Dunkin Donuts on Hollywood Boulevard uh, that has a huge Boba Fett poster above it. So I tweeted about this, but it looks like Boba Fett 
has staked his claim along with Fennec Shand to that specific Dunkin' Donuts. His blaster is like pointing at the doorway of like, <laughs> are you sure you want to come in here? <laughs> you you got to respect me if you're going to walk into this Dunkin' and Donuts. Uh, it's it, it was delightful to see in the wild that Boba Fett poster and even more delightful that it was over the very incongruous Dunkin' Donuts. Well, yeah, and the, 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 we got Boba Fett in 2021, soon 2022 on a poster. I mean, gosh. Yeah, right? Wonderful thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I'm not even going to speculate how else we would see that. It's just beautiful that it's there. Uh, and I stood there for a long time. I took many photos of it. It was very cold. And my wife and I just stood there staring at Boba Fett for a few minutes. So that was a great Star Wars adventure. Uh, yeah, Left for Dead and at du- Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> left for Dead on the floor of Dunkin' Donuts. And I, know, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask you about your adventures. Yeah, well, I was going to say I was uh, traveling out in Washington D.C. in December. I was expecting it to be really cold. The first two days, L.A. was colder. Uh, so that's when you mentioned that. And, you know, when you say you're cold, I I believe you. You you, you got, uh, you know, Minnesota blood in you there. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I trust your appraisal of cold. Um, but yeah, a lot of fun. I, I was out uh, in Washington, D.C. opening up uh, for Mark Ellis at the Comedy Loft. And uh, like you said, uh, without a doubt, uh, it, it can be, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a weird time. And we are trying to be as careful and cautious as we could out there, uh, but also trying to, you know, make a living <laughs> and find that balance. Yeah. Um, and so the crowds were a little smaller, a little intimate, but you know, as being a longtime performer, Joseph, sometimes I can just open up a connection that's not there during larger crowds. So we gave it our all. We gave full sets. Um, we weren't just uh, mucking about doing, uh, you know, uh, jazz comedy, trying to figure out some bits and looking at our notes. We, we did our <laughs> show, you know, we did a show. We had a lot of fun. And, and uh, I had the chance to meet um, several four center fans uh, which always means a lot. Uh, you know, uh, Joseph and I have done a lot of different things in this uh, town and industries and different uh, areas of, of one career, entertainment career. We, we, you might know us from different things, but it's always something special when you're out in the wild and someone says, hey, I'm, I'm a Force Center patron supporter. I'm a Force Center listener, and I want to shout out a few. Um, we had uh, Drew was there. We had uh, hung out there, Anthony and uh, his wife, Elise. Uh, so nice, and Anthony actually uh, inspired by uh, what we do here. Joseph has started his own podcast, The Force Aww. Ghost Conversations, and a great talk with both of them. And Elise um, was uh, paid some really nice compliments to to us, Joseph, that, you know, sometimes it's, you know, it's hard to take compliments. You got to learn to take <laughs> She doesn't realize things, but also she's one of the, not, I'm going to say first people like this doesn't exist, but she's like, I can't wait for Bad Patch season two. All and right. We started to have a conversation about that. And, and, and she is, whereas Anthony is like the Star Wars fan and she's like a Star Wars fan, that kind of situation. She's like, no, that one, that's the chemistry of that cast, even though it's pretty much one man doing most of it. She goes like the characters. <laughs> I just was pulled in by that. So we had a great conversation about that. There was also uh, Brandon and Allie, uh, Brandon, a Patreon supporter. T- I talked to uh, that lovely couple on the first night. And then uh, on, uh, I think it was the second or the third night was uh, Matt uh, and uh, his wife, Megan. Um, um, and Matt was, uh, we had some great conversations about, uh, powering through the negativity the last couple of years mm. and just kind of uh calling the timeline on your twitter feeds <laughs> just uh the struggle but sticking with the joy so matt it was a wonderful conversation uh, out there and I, I i wanted to shout out shout out those folks it it uh, meant a lot to, to come see uh, comedy uh, number one but 
two, it, it even meant more to to have Star Wars conversations with uh, with good friends we've made through Force Center. You know, oh, that is great. Thank you. I'm glad that you had a, a good weekend of fun comedy, and I thank mm-hmm. you for bringing back uh, the kind words from the Force Center yeah. listeners. That's so awesome. Awesome yeah. to hear somebody specifically excited for Bad Batch because uh, you know we both really love that, and I always like it when. Uh, people let us know that they were inspired or encouraged or supported to start a podcast of their own, you know, because it, it is, it is, we so want to encourage like uh, that we try to analyze Star Wars, but often it does just come down to opinions. What do you like? What do you think? And to hear other people getting their voices out there is so awesome. Yeah. So good. So good. And uh, I did get, it's my second time in DC, but this, uh, you know, I was there it's, it's five, including travel days. It was supposed to be six, but a delay, five, five days, which is, uh, you know, you feel like you're moving to a town and um, <laughs> got to actually spend some time in the town. And uh, me being kind of uh, uh, one of those, one of those kind of weird history buff kind of folks, uh, finally did like the monuments and did that walk and but did about two hours every morning going around to the places and really spend some time there. And, uh, you know, uh, not to get too far down the path, but like, uh, the, 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 there's, I always said, we always say there's light and darkness in all of us and, the, and there's light and darkness in the, um, history of this country. And I'm always open and honest about that too. And, but I was uh, moved by a lot of what I was just feeling and just kind of, I walked past the Vietnam Memorial and there was a, a large group of Vietnam veterans coming out to, to hang wreaths, uh, for the holidays and it was kind of moving in its own way. And I was just kind of in my head about a lot of things, Joseph, and, and I, I had my headphones in listening to music. And all of a sudden, as I'm just kind of r- around the constitutional, uh, the constitution pond there, and there, the Lincoln uh, Memorial, Yoda's theme comes up. <laughs> and I always call Yoda's theme kind of a theme of enlightenment, a theme of comfort and home and guidance and mentorship and uh, uh, reflection and pondering. It's, it's, and it's just, just one of the more delightful themes, one of my favorites. And I just was moved by here we go again. Here comes Star Wars when you you need it it just pops in to add you add some extra enlightenment and comfort and it was a, a great thing so thanks john williams thanks yoda yeah that is a uh, a nice beautiful moment i agree with you about uh, yoda's music it's got this sort of serene take a deep breath that we're going to figure out a way through this uh, yeah. wonderful quality to it and then the fact that you're hearing this in front of lincoln is just yeah. i can't I can't help but imagine Luke uh, plopping down and going, I can't, Lincoln's too big. (laughs) And you ought to be like, all right, I'll show you. And just floating the whole big statue. Yeah, love it. So it was a great time. Great time out there. Shout out again to everyone who uh, took the time to come out and support and also took uh, the time from their schedule to shake my hand and uh, or fist bump in some cases uh, and uh, uh, talk Star Wars. So a lot of fun. But uh, from there, we are going to get to Star Wars news. Uh, As always, uh, we put the caveat out here that... um, a TV spot or nine may drop by the time this episode airs, <laughs> but we're pretty confident. Uh, Joseph, we got a, uh, it's another week, another Boba Fett TV spot. And we love that. We love that. There's a lot of uh, little things. So let's talk the latest one, Joseph authority. Ooh, about 30 seconds long. Had some new footage. So uh, Joseph, what, of the five extra seconds that were new, what were your favorites? Oh man, there are two bits that I love that were just um, that mostly a little bit more context. Uh, I liked it when the uh, the Twilight was in Jabba's palace. You really clearly saw the the Rancor Great <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, bowing down and saying something about the mayor. 
and yes. just getting that picture. And eh, th- this is, I- I'm excited about Star Wars and politics, Ken. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I think that the, that's the nature of, of what they're setting up with Boba Fett. If he's trying to, to take over running this criminal organization and holding scary business meetings, like what is the power infrastructure? Did somebody declare themselves uh, mayor of Mos Eisley, mayor of all of Tatooine? Yeah. Right. <laughs> they just said, ah, president's not a good word or chancellor. I'm going to be mayor or is that, you know, somebody's yeah. first name. Is that that Athorian? Uh, Cause we got a clip of another uh, prominent Twi'lek sort of leaning in to whisper to the Athorian. So I got really excited by the word mayor. Yeah. The ma- yeah. That's, uh, I, uh, that's my spot too. Um, because of what that might mean. And then also, uh, and I, I literally, as, as, as we're getting ready to record, I was doing a Google search just to make sure this hasn't been revealed. I was convinced, and I, I think that uh, might be fifty percent uh, accuracy there. I was convinced that that uh, the, the Twilight talking about the the mayor was um, actor, character actor, improv uh, legend David Pasquesi, Pasquesi. Mm. You know, um, Groundhog Day, Veep, Strangers with Candy. Uh, I am, I am. I he. It's not like Jennifer when Jennifer Beals was revealed and suddenly like it was like yeah that's her. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I was like, was it him? Is it him? Uh, if you're all uh, Veep fans, maybe not familiar with the name, he he played uh, um, Selena Meyer's uh, ex-husband. Uh, okay. Service character. And he's been, I mean, if you see him, you know, he's been around everything. And I just like, I, I was in my hotel room on my phone replaying that 50 times. It's got his nose. It's got a little bit of the way his mouth talks when he's doing like a funny character bit. I don't know. So uh, I, anyways, but I loved everything about that as well, that sequence. I can't, I can't wait. Yeah. And in the rest of the sequence is the other thing of like, uh, of, uh, Boba saying, I keep your eye on that one. And Fennec saying, I keep my eye on everyone, which just further, uh, cements what we've been seeing in these other trailers of Boba Fett's the one of like, yeah, you know what? I think we can change the way this works. And Fennec Shan being, everyone's going to try to shoot you in the back. So great. (laughs) I guess that's my job then. Well, on that, that was a great moment, and uh, we we love even more and more Fennec. Uh, he he says uh, he, Boba Fett trusts. Uh, now I'm quoting them to work on their own self interest. I believe is what he said there. Um, and I was fascinated by this in conjunction with what you're talking about about Fennec going. Uh, we're going to watch everybody. We've been speculating about, hey, is Boba Fett here to unite the underworld? A little respect or a new way of doing it, or is he just going to let them destroy each other? And rise to an even higher level of power. I don't know. And that got me just intrigued, you know? Yeah. Good insight. Yeah, I I think that he is going to try to unite the underworld uh, because it is the thing that actually makes common sense uh, if they think level-headedly. But I think the uh, criminal world is going to give in to all all their greed, (laughs) all of their petty anger and selfishness, all the uh, standard a dark side checklist and then it will be let them destroy each other time that's what i'm really hoping for i'm really intrigued by him his his I, the idea that boba fett is like look in, if instead of sniping at each other over these hyperspace lanes you take that one and you take that one we'll actually look i ran the numbers <laughs> we'll actually both make you'll actually make more money and have uh, less attention from the new republic and like that kind of thing where they can't change their ways but like yeah mm-hmm. they, of course it would be easier but they won't do it that way uh, i i really hope we hear boba fett tamara morrison saying i ran the numbers <laughs> i'm not a hunter i'm an accountant <laughs> look at these flow charts <laughs> um 
Great stuff on that there. Um, so th- this is what I'm actually most intrigued as I was poking around to see if that is a uh, Second City alum character actor as a Twi'lek uh, mayor's assistant. I don't know. Um, we heard, and then a lot of the people covering this, this story out there, uh, and I believe it was Robert Rodriguez that kind of said that uh, the marketing footage we've seen so far is like from the first half of episode one. I think there was even some specific minutes thrown out there, seven minutes or whatever. But basically, the first half of episode one, that's the TV spots. It's a lot of the, the pictures have, have been released. And this is uh, something, Joseph, that uh, we've speculated before, sometimes incorrectly. Force Awakens, I was like, oh, that's all from the first 10 minutes of the movie. You know, <laughs> they're, holding, you know they're holding back Luke because he's the hero. He just shows up in the third act. You know, we, it's fun speculating, but sometimes we went off base. But other times... It's ended up being that that's kind of the case, but this is the first time, Joseph, that we've just heard. No, you're getting a couple minutes. Like you don't even know what's coming. And then, on as I was searching for this, uh, you know, this actor, David Pesquesi, uh, um, I'm probably saying that wrong because he's played so many characters, and I don't pay attention to his name. Uh, even on IMDb, which sometimes you can, you know, get some casting or a character, something pops up. The, the only listed cast is Tamora Morrison, Ming Na Wen, and Jennifer Beals. That's it. Nothing behind the scenes, people below the line, all that stuff. They got some of those, but nothing. So this actually has me really excited, Joseph. What do we what do we make of this? And do we like this approach? Finally knowing that you're only getting a couple minutes. Yeah, I I love this approach, and whether or not it was a uh, uh, you know uh, Lucasfilm marketing approved, who knows? <laughs> but I'm totally with you. I will always remember in early a very early episode of Force Center that recorded in your bedroom at the time uh, of saying like, yeah, well, this is amazing. They're going to have to release new posters that show stuff that happened in the third act. Uh, very very wrong. And then uh, basically last year with Mandalorian, I think a lot of us sense that it's only a couple episodes the early episodes that we're seeing clips from right and that panned out but yeah there's something about this boba fett that almost everything is slightly different clips of what look like potential flashbacks and or uh boba fett business dealings that same group of uh of hunters that he seems to have a conflict with so it had been really feeling like this is like the first episode so then there's it was the Hollywood Reporter interview with uh, Rodriguez where he gotcha. said, yep, no, it's anything else would be a spoiler. Uh, that's like the, my favorite quote I've heard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from a creator. Uh, not that I don't want insights, but I just love that insight of like, yeah. yes, we really want to preserve the fan experience while advertising our show. So enough people uh, watch it. Uh, that we got supported from the marketing department to go, yeah, that's great. Uh, hold it back so so the actual show can be the thing that really drives the excitement. It's been fun. It's even been fun since we first learned that this show was a thing, right? It was, uh, you know, a post-credit, uh, you know, surprise. And that's just been the kind of the, the mood. And, and I, for one, keep repeating this idea of like, I'm excited because I don't know what's coming. And, that, and the fact that it's like kind of confirmed has me, more excited uh, than I thought I would be because I've been loving the TV spots, been loving what we've been seeing uh, and, and having fun uh, speculating, which is something we're going to do on the, on the channel uh, later this week. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm with you to, it's just, uh, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with that confirmation that we're only seeing part of the first episode, you know, that makes me think that maybe we are getting some really exciting uh, flashbacks to, uh, you know, Boba's uh, Sarlacc emergence. And they don't want to spoil that. Um, this lack of casting, uh, this is really cool that you 
discover that because I had no idea um, yeah. about that. And I think for me that what I take out of that lack of cast is that there may be some uh, surprises that aren't necessarily that surprising, like maybe Dinjar and Bo-Katan. Um, right, right. If this does swing into uh, Book of Boba Fett is Boba Fett's story, but it is also leading into how much does he care about what's going on on Mandalore. Um, so th- I think there's a possibility of some surprises being hidden. I also, I-, I wanted to ask you what you thought about this. Mm-hmm. What if it's just that there are a ton of aliens... <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of the performers are people buried in Athorian and Aqualish masks or, you know, puppeteering huts or whatever. Uh, I actually think that's a good answer for probably maybe most of the the, the cast not being revealed in a way. Like, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I, I think similar to some of the stuff in Mando season one, you know, characters, you know, s- some actors were recognizable, but they didn't they didn't. You know, so from cameos with Brian Posehn to, you know, Horatio Sands being being more of a of a regular character, especially in season two, like they didn't that wasn't announced. It just was there, and you just kind of had to figure it out until the credits showed up at the end. And I think I could I could see that happening a lot with this show. Yeah, that's that's true too. Like, there's probably a, a ton of those just like fun cameos. It's not surprise this famous Star Wars character, famous yeah. Star Wars actor. It's just. Like, you know, everybody's, you know, favorite character actor or comedian shows up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be that. But I, yeah, I'm with you. It, it, it just doesn't it just kind of, though, make sense with with Boba Fett? Like, there'd be a lot of aliens around, right? <laughs> it, yeah. I'm, you know, at this point now, taking all of our chatter together and thinking about, I mean, we knew Werner Herzog was going to show up. But, you know, I just I really hope David Lynch painted himself blue and shows up in a Boba Fett TV show. That would thrill me. It's finally it. Uh, and it's rewarding. <laughs> I know, it's just kind of rewarding. I was thinking back to uh, Mando, um, you know, season one, we were all, you know, or season two, episode one, we're all excited about uh, uh, Timothy Oliphant showing up there and Cobb Vant. And then uh, W. Earl Brown shows up as the weekway bartender. So it's a Deadwood reunion. And uh, yeah. just, it was there for you if you, if you knew it or not, you know? Yep. Yep. It, yeah. It did not. It wasn't a wink, wink, nod, nod. It was just a, hey, this is here and true. Enjoy it if you want. Enjoy it if you want. Uh, so we are almost there. Almost there. I'm sure there'll be a, t- a couple more TV spots. We are going to be getting ready for Book of Boba Fett on the deep dive this week. Uh, having uh, fun with some wild speculations, thoughts, and thoughts that uh, will be either proven uh, wrong or very wrong by the time the show comes out <laughs> as part of the fun. Uh, speaking of characters around that Boba Fett world, Han Solo and Chewbacca, they know Boba Fett a little bit, a little bit. And uh, in uh, March of this uh, coming year, uh, there's going to be a new Marvel comic series focusing on Han and Chewie before A New Hope. This will be written by Mark Guggenheim, drawn by David Messina, and the series will follow Han and Chewie around the underworld a few years before A New Hope. So... You know, smack dab between New Hope and Solo, if you want to look at it that way. Guggenheim talked uh, with StarWars.com about focusing on the tension inside Han, um, between uh, Han the Cynic and Han the Hopeless Romantic. So let's just start there, Joseph, on that tension and this idea of uh, a comic book going to take us to some key moments in Han and Chewie's life. Yeah, no, I, when I saw it announced, I was, uh, I admit I had a little, uh, pang of fear for the hope of solo two storytelling. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so then when I read that it was happening, uh, 
just a little bit. I don't know ex- remember exactly how they phrased in the article, but that it was before New Hope. I feel like okay, well, that leaves some some breathing room to maybe tell the fun story. I don't think there's going to be a solo two film, but I would be thrilled if Disney Plus announced like, yeah, we're going to do a limited series. It's six episodes, and it's yeah. Han and Chewie's first job for Java um, with Alden Ehrenreich. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was my that would, was my only resistance to this comic. Otherwise, I'm excited for it. Yeah, no, yeah, and you and I have talked a little bit about that with the comics before. We're always honest about that, and we love what they put out. There's so many great things. In fact, I have a literal box, cardboard box, in my living room that was shipped to me during my trip uh, out to D.C. with a new batch of Star Wars comics. I'm finally going to get to some of that Crimson Rain stuff that everyone's all excited about. Uh, but I kind of have the same reaction of like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this where I want the answers? Is this where I want them? Comics, not taking away anyone, anything from anyone who, who works on those comics. Uh, but they said, you know, uh, you said it, this evolves around uh, Jabba and we're doing some jobs for Jabba. Greedo will be involved. You know, makes some sort of sense that maybe they uh, they all knew each other. And uh, more characters found in the comics, uh, whether that's an Afro or something like that, we don't know. Santa Staros, uh, they could be appearing. Um, and some surprises that, quote, no one will see coming. Does that add to your worries? And I know your worries are small, Joseph, but does it add to those worries? Or what do you think about even like, who knows who could show up here? Yeah, no, I'm always excited about the the fun who knows who could show up. Um, I, I think for me, that's always a, I have a lot of trust in um, the general Lucasfilm editorial team uh, that makes sure that there is elbow room for the right kind of thing. I, I, I'm happy that there aren't you know, I know Kira has been uh, popping up in the comics a bunch at a different part of the timeline. I just want to leave a little bit of that post-solo time free. Um, I also think I'm excited about this because of the actual writer, uh, Mark uh, Guggenheim. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with uh, any of his comics work, but he's one of the co-creators, producers, uh, writers on CW's Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow, which is two shows mm-hmm. that I've really, really enjoyed that uh, have great sort of genre connections to Star Wars. So the the idea of who the, who the writer is mm. is exciting to me. And I think the big thing for me, Ken, is not just the uh, talking about what I fear, but talking about what I love. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Getting away from that fear of don't step on the, the solo possibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's closer to New Hope is actually really intriguing to me because it's always fun to see uh, down on his luck Han just barely making it through. It's always fun uh, to see Chewie, you know, helping him on whatever wild thing he's doing. But what I would be hopeful for in this comic is seeing some victories, right? Because mm-hmm. the original trilogy is predicated on the idea that he was the best. And I'm sure he was the best in a sloppy, it almost didn't happen way. But I don't believe that sarcasm from Java. I don't believe Java's given him a second chance out of the goodness of his hut heart. Yeah, I believe Han was the best at you know being a smuggler, a scoundrel, uh, you know a, whatever assignment he needed. And I would love to see some of that of of Han making uh, making some rash choices, but yeah. coming out a big winner in Java's eyes. I love that. I'm right there with you on that. Uh, the this idea of uh, Han the cynic, Han the hopeless romantic, which is you know, this this constant battle that we we love to see in Han. We love to see it analyzed. We love to kind of check in on that in Han's life, right? Where is he this week? But I love what you're saying because that would be, I don't know, I just, you, you, you're talking about what Jabba, what Greedo, Greedo says Jabba's saying about him uh, and just uh, the, the obsession Jabba has for Han later on and, and his favorite decoration. Like all of it, I grew up just knowing that Han, when they walk into that cantina, Han was the best. He was the best. Yeah. 
that's the, what was set up. That's what you grew up with. And we've got to spend some wonderful time with him early on. Uh, solo ending with the, him and Chewie punching it and going to light speed to have this lifetime of adventures in front of them. I do want to see them a little bit at the top of their game. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a, a fun thing with that is like, obviously, uh, th- this interview with Mark Guggenheim is great. And that, that's what gives me a lot of uh, confidence. The way he talks about that yeah. constant tension of, of Han between being the hopeless romantic and the hard bitten cynic and uh, that there is always room for him to play with those things. Uh, but the idea that, you know, by the time we catch up with him in a new hope, you know, he, he leans into the cynic and uh, the the angels always there on his shoulder. <laughs> the hopeless mm-hmm. romantics always kind of whispering in his ear. Uh, so that's a really intriguing. Uh, but in particular for me, it's it's this idea of uh, what is what is Han thinking about the future at this point? Like a couple of years between a new hope. Is he just like, this is great. I made it. Or is he think starting to think about that? Hey, Chewie, just land this one more job and then I'll take you back to Kashyyyk. <laughs> Not that yeah. Kashyyyk's a pleasant place to live or, but then we can do yeah. it. You know, what is, what is, what are Han and think and Chewie thinking about their future right now? Yeah. And, and, and some great stuff in that interview about Chewie kind of maybe being a little bit of that older, wiser, you know, Han, what are you doing? <laughs> Type yeah. of stuff. I'm paraphrasing that. Um, but I, in talk, you know, and talk about, uh, you know, what we hope to see and maybe learn about Han and Chewie during this time. Uh, what you're saying about Han getting these victories, top of his game, does that cement things in his brain? Do we meet him here going, yeah, that, that hopeless romantic, it's long gone. That is not, does not lead to success. But what's leading to me to this life that I love is I'm doing good at it. And therefore he cares a little less. And then that sets up. You know, not cares a little, but not cares less, but like just sets up new hope to be that kind of jolt and, and Leia and Luke and the cause and the rebellion just coming to the forefront of, uh, of his story there being right in front of him uh, where he can't ignore it anymore. Where maybe he'd gotten good at ignoring it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's intriguing about exactly how to handle that, because you could tell the story of he'd gotten good at ignoring it or he could be get he could have the experience where he's been cocky. Right. Where mm-hmm. if this story is. Jabba gives him an assignment and there's a part of it that the hopeless romantic in him says, don't do that. And he gets away with, you know, helping somebody, saving somebody, but still somehow comes up a winner in Jabba's eyes. And he's just getting cocky about, I don't have to choose, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then a new hope is a situation where like, as much as he claims he's a cynic, he's just out, at, uh, out for number one. Mm. Now he's in this position where it's just like, let him die in that suicide run on the Death Star or turn around. It's it's one or the other. It's A or B. You you can't thread the needle. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then Chewie says, let me tell you something. Let me tell you. I've sat here silently. <laughs> remember when you left Emphis Nest? Remember that? Remember that? Remember. Maybe. Because yeah. I, I made reference to that fantasy conversation in my head. Uh, you know, maybe this all leads to a, you know, jump to that moment. I want to, I want a series that goes into New Hope and you just have the private conversations with, with Han and Chewie. What if Chewie's just giving him the silent treatment? Not a single yeah. roar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. I hear what you're saying. You're not saying anything, but I hear it loud and clear. <laughs> yeah. So I'm excited for this one. Yeah. I am too. I am too. Uh, and even if there was a couple seconds, uh, I'm with you on that. Like, okay. But. How are you feeling about that kind of tease in the article of like, oh, there'll be some surprises, but there's a real tease of like somebody's going to show up at the end of issue one that you'd never expect. How are you feeling about that? I am, I am uh, uh, positively ambivalent. Does that make, does that, does that make <laughs> any sense? I think this is a this is it could be taken too general as a blanket statement. 
for a lot of the comics. I, I there's a lot of that in the comics, and yeah. has been for a bit. Even with characters you don't know, the the infamous debut of uh, uh, Santa Staros as uh, Han Solo's ex wife, and remember in 2014 that was the biggest controversy ever. Like, oh my god, uh, she's this wonderful character now. But you know, there's always been it's it's how comics work. Get get yep. you back for next month. So um, I am excited to see who it is. Um, I just said, uh, you know, uh, at this point, unless it's like Boss Nass or Jar Jar, I don't, you know, I can't be, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be surprised. He can't be bothered to be excited about that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm with you. I, I, I like the cliffhangers. I like how much in this interview he's selling them is like, yeah, no, they're cliffhangers because for me, it is part of that pulpy adventure serial mm-hmm. tradition of Star Wars. Um, my only, I was thinking about it a little bit and uh, I think the person who would uh, surprise and delight me is Val. I want Val to have secretly survived. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I don't like that. Uh, I like that a lot too. Um, yeah. There, there's a lot of choices. There you go. Val and Jar Jar are working together. That's what we figured out. Because <laughs> Jar Jar's, uh, you know, according to Aftermath, he's out and about. So maybe he stumbles onto this Han guy. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Uh, final news story of the week. As always, there's a lot of things out there. Interviews, rumors. Uh, dive on in. There's a great thing with Jennifer Beals getting uh, talking about learning more about her character from that Dave Filoni. Uh, but uh, we only cover a couple things on these uh, segments. And this final one was just just plain fun. Actually, a lot of Force Center uh, listeners uh, tweeted us or posted this in Discord and wanted us to address him. Return of the Jedi will now forever be part of history. That's because Return of the Jedi will join A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back in the National Film Registry. Uh, Return of the Jedi received the most public votes of over 6,000 movies up for in- inclusion. 25 go in every time they do these votes. New Hope went in in uh, 1989, Empire 2010. But uh, Return of the Jedi will finally take its place in this uh, uh, important uh, registry here. It uh, helps preserve um, uh, the actual films and just the legacy. So let's uh, talk about the thoughts and the, our thoughts on the legacy of Return of the Jedi. That's probably an entire episode, but <laughs> now that it's in the forefront, what do you think? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I want to paraphrase Vader and say, and now the success is complete. Uh, yeah, it's great. It, it really makes sense to me. I think... Uh, I'm thinking about the legacy of Return of the Jedi as its own film, mm-hmm. but then also as the third chapter in a story. And really remembering back to the landscape in which it was made, where a sequel was always just the same film title and a number. And it was often the same thing again, not three parts of one story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's much more common now. Uh, but just the idea of, well, if you're going to preserve... A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, of course you should preserve Return of the Jedi. So in a way, it's it's uh, the celebration of yeah. the legacy that this is one story, you know, and that and those three films are only one part of the story, you know? Yeah, there's something, uh, there's a big giant, I don't know, justification for Return of the Jedi and those Ewoks and uh, <laughs> the happy ending and all those kind of things that... Uh, we just kind of grew up with and just say, no, these three films, this one story. I love the way you phrase that. Uh, the Return of the Jedi is a favorite for so many. And in truth is why I'm at the party. That yeah. was the first party I went to and and, and really experienced and and, and remembered. So it, uh, not that I need my childhood validated by this list or anything. <laughs> Uh, or that the film needed this for any validation, but it is, it does count. It does make, it does make, it uh, gives me a little warm fuzzies for that uh, wonderful 
uh, episode six. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think for me, just looking at Return of the Jedi itself as a film and, and the history of filmmaking, not only it being the concluding chapter of a trilogy that's all one story, but the film itself, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the the accomplishment of Jabba, right? Yeah. Um, the speeder bike chase, continuing to uh, push forward the way that special effects are used in films. And for me, in terms of the legacy, I think the biggest thing is, we've talked about it so much, but the idea of a character like Luke thinking for two films, I need to become a warrior, and mm-hmm. then realizing, no, I just, I really need to become the best person I can be. Yeah. <laughs> and this is about laser swords and saving the galaxy, but it's also just about, like, giving my horrible dad who made a thousand bad mistakes one more chance, and that's how I save the galaxy, because I gave my horrible dad one more chance, you know, in a in a mythic sense uh and obviously luke sensed that there was still good in him yeah i don't want to say that you know everybody should always give their horrible parents another chance because uh, maybe sometimes not uh but i uh, talked myself into a, a corner there but you know what i mean of just yeah. the, the idea that luke triumphed uh through empathy and pacifism and that that is the story of this trilogy is really powerful and and i think well, worthy of being uh, validated yeah validated and and locked in the history vaults together the the collection is complete. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now we'll see if uh, the if, if, uh, National Film Registry looks towards uh, Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> that will be a very interesting conversation. And if anybody's interested, I can't remember where I read it, to full honesty, but there is interesting discussion about what's literally being preserved because as beautiful and as nice as this is, it's opened up the old, are they the original films or is Lucasfilm handing over... <laughs> The updated special editions uh, that uh, can of Star Wars worms is being reopened. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, That is uh, that's a hot button uh, debate that we can all have Uh, the McClunky of it all. Uh, We'll see. see. Uh, And yeah, we'll uh, we'll update this story when the Phantom Menace uh, finally makes its way to the National Film Registry, which, you know, quite frankly, because of the. Leaps uh, it made uh, with technology and on um, mm-hmm. the charger, it uh, rightfully belong, I think. But that's something we'll get to on uh, Four Center Five Thousand. <laughs> look is, forward to recording. Yes, uh, that is uh, a look at Star Wars news for now. Before we take a quick break and get to the questions, we have our Four Center recommends an audiobook we think you should try out on us, Joseph. What do we have? We are recommending The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott. Very soon we'll tick over into the new year and there will be a flood of new High Republic books. This is the uh, the big second chapter in the uh, adult novelizations. So if you're interested, or novels, not novelizations, novels. So if you're interested in checking out an audiobook of The Rising Storm by Kevin Scott, you can, of course, do that. Download that uh, today by uh, getting your free audiobook at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. I cannot wait for that new High Republic gauntlet. But when you said that, Joseph, I just uh, I did one of those like, oh, all right, here we go. It's game time. We got, to <laughs> we got some books to read. It's going to be exciting. Books are on the way. All right. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we've got your questions here on Force Center. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome back to Four Center, the big show, the main show, the superstar story of our fleet. Episode 384 is the current number that you're listening to uh, in what we call our seventh season uh, that we've been broadcasting since 2015. Uh, we are about to turn the page and get into our eighth season of broadcasting. Uh, we're renewed for one more. All right. <laughs> got it. Uh, Joseph, some great questions today. What do we got? 
Yeah, we got two questions from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. As always, we're going to go first to Twitter, and uh, this is a person with the handle Chubby Gamer. Uh, Chubby Gamer says, uh, I almost just said Chubby like it's a first name. Chubby Gamer uh, (laughs) says, if the original trilogy were made today, who would play Luke, Han, and Leia? Mm. That is, uh, uh, that's a fun, complicated one, Ken. Did you get some time to think about it? Um, I did, and um, I'm going to give an answer I've, I've given on other programs when sometimes you get asked uh, this question. I've been asked uh, on, a, on an older show I was on, and uh, just in general. I uh, I don't think, uh, I my answer is uh, you wouldn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> and almost to the point of, I, I'm not, uh, love this question, uh, Chubby, by the way. I'm not grumpy about this at all. I just really feel if this was, if they're doing this again, I mean, you know, Look at uh, Force Awakens. John Boyega, maybe some some of you knew him from Attack the Block. Maybe. Not a lot. Uh, you know, Oscar Running around with the 13th Doctor and Attack the Block. Yep. Yep. There you go. Uh, Oscar Isaac. Yeah, he was known. Uh, but even then, it was like, wait, uh, he, he inside Llewellyn Davis guy? was Is that the guy? Is that the guy? Uh, and then, as we all know, Daisy Ridley and her one headshot was the only thing we had <laughs> uh, for a long time. And uh, that lines up uh, with uh, the original trilogy, perhaps more than the, the, the prequels. There was uh, more known actors uh, playing the, the roles there. Uh, I just think it kind of works. And I think that's what I would want. And so it's more of a, not me skirting the question or just not having an answer. And I don't keep up with a ton of uh, uh, young actors. I don't know. Throw Tom Holland in there. He seems to be doing things. Uh, <laughs> he can be Luke or, or Han. I don't care at this point. Uh, but it's not uh, that I don't care. I just really think that's the magic of it. And and even Harrison Ford being uh, the one dude from that one movie who's a carpenter now. Like it all kind of, uh, and even that was almost too known for George, as, as we all know. I just would want that spirit to be, I, I wouldn't want the names. I wouldn't want to know. Yeah. No, I mean, my, my first answer is exactly the same as you. I wrote down total unknowns. <laughs> oh good uh yeah because i agree with you i think that there is something about the spirit of that first film that first trilogy that does have um a, a magic to it because for the most part people encounter that movie is like that's who these people are right mm-hmm. um not that great actors can't make you forget who they are and all that kind of thing um and we just i love that we have so many beloved performers in modern times, but I also want there to be room for discoveries, right? Mm. Um, I think it's also just, it's a little bit in the spirit of Star Wars to me that like that kind of everybody matters. You don't have to already have been famous yeah, <laughs> uh, to maybe, you know, get your first shot uh, because of something as huge and important as Star Wars ended up being, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, like when they signed on, I don't none of none of those big three were like, "All right, and my career is made." Right? No. <laughs> they didn't know how that movie was going to turn out. It was a risk. Uh, so I'm with you. I, I would want unknowns, uh, but then I felt guilty and I came up with some other answers. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I came up with a, two sets of answers. One just kind of a knee jerk, immediate thing. I thought uh, I try to be mindful of age. Uh, for the most part, uh, but with Leia, I just went to you know Billy Lord. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think she'd be able to to capture that Leia spirit uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, Han, the, call call me bonkers, Ken, but I went with Alden Ehrenreich. I think that kid would do a good job. Is Han Solo? You, you, you look, you're just you're just going for hot takes, villain. I love it. <laughs> I am. I'm trying yeah. to get as many clicks as possible. Yeah. And then yeah. you already spoiled it for me. Uh, Tom Holland, I actually think would make a great Luke Skywalker, right? Oh, I would. Yeah, actually, yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, I mean, he he uh, maybe he could play Luke with a British accent. That would be very different. That would be exciting and fun. Or he can do the American accent. No, I think uh, for me, it is one of the reasons that I really love the MCU uh, mm-hmm. Spider-Man Tom Holland's performance. Uh, we need those heroes who can play utter tragedy, who can play fury and pain and anger, but are just radiating at their core. Like, I'm, I am a nice guy. Like, I mean, when I, when I think of my favorite, one of my very favorite Luke Skywalker lines in A New Hope of Mark Hamill saying, I care. Like, mm-hmm. Tom Holland can communicate that energy at his, at his core mm-hmm. that I care. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. yeah. And then I also thought, uh, I think, honestly, uh, I, I would also like to see a more diversity in casting and not just assume yeah. that. So uh, my final uh, three picks, uh, if you're going, uh, you know, Past the obvious of Billy Lord and all in Aaron Reich, uh, there's a, an actor named Aaron Westbrook who uh, plays a character named Tabitha on Riverdale. And I think she's just got this great, um, she's got this great strength and this great intelligence that is uh, Leia, this great sense of being in command, uh, but also a good sense of humor. So I thought she'd be great for Leia. Um, for Luke, I went to uh, Shamik Moore who is the voice of Miles Morales in the Spider-Verse animated film. Mm. Uh, but he's also the main star of uh, Dope by Rick Famuyiwa, oh. uh, who we both have loved on The Mandalorian. I watched Dope specifically because, like, I loved his episodes on Mandalorian. I want to go check something out. And it's a real coming-of-age story. It's very different trappings than Star Wars, but it's got those coming-of-age connections. I think he'd be great as Luke. And then finally... For Han, I was trying to think of like, well, Han's a little older. Who's who's somebody in their 30s who could uh, play a little bit of that rogue and that uh, scoundrel, but still has that heart of gold? And this is a little different than the kind of roles he's played, but I think he could do it. Uh, we know him already from Star Wars casting, but uh, I think Riz Ahmed would make a good Han Solo. Ooh, that's a gr- oh, that's a great one. I love that idea. Uh, so you don't think uh, you don't think I'm in uh, dangerous uh, hot take territory with Riz Ahmed as Han Solo? No, you, you know you, you know Alden who burned the house down, which by the way that would probably be my choice too. No, Riz Ahmed, uh, yeah, because you'd have to assume that you know Rogue One doesn't exist in this in this parallel uh, universe. Yeah, uh, right. So uh, yeah, this multiverse of casting, I love him. Uh, I really do, uh, and 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 love to find a way to get the, the early days of Bodhi Rook back in Star Wars. Anyways. Yep. Uh, that's a great choice. Mm. Yeah, I just think he's one of those actors who just has such great range and a lot of the roles that we've seen him in, particularly if you uh, know him mostly from Rogue One, you you know him as a little bit more of a uh, somebody who's trying to push past his fear in an everyman, but he's just such a great actor. I feel like he could play mm. uh, that swagger that's covering up the heart of gold. Love it. Well, see, you've done, you've done, you've done, you've done, you've done better than I here. I just got on my <laughs> grumpy... Uh, I don't follow a lot of uh, actors uh, these days, uh, horse, but uh, you, yeah, it was, you got you, you just got off a plane and you got off a plane with an honest answer in your heart, which was my first answer to total unknowns. It was only my guilt and my compulsion <laughs> that made me come up with two other sets. I just, it would, other, other shows back in the day would be like, all right, n- name someone who should play this role. I'll be like, I don't know. I do, just cast someone and I'll probably enjoy them. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. The person who the creators feel is uh, best at, uh, you know, capturing who the person is. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to move on then to our next question from Phyllis Afra. Uh, the uh, Phyllis Afra asks, would you like to see Ray coming back to Jakku to interrogate Uncle Plot about the day her parents left? 
that is a some great uh, vivid headcanon that's flashing through my mind. Uh, my short answer is yes. Where are you at, Ken? Uh, yes, with an exclamation point. This is a great okay. question, and 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 one of those uh, like a, like a bar or a playground or hanging around with friends, Star Wars kind of discussion. The fun, mm-hmm. the fun kind, where just like um, this isn't a is a a, a plot hole in the movie you know that it's just this is a fun kind of headcanon question and and yes now would she interrogate him or go back and calmly talk to him and kind of try to find stuff out and have a conversation maybe uh bring back portions to him i don't know uh would he be receptive i would hope so but I, that's like where i would say uh i could i could see you know ray at emotionally to go back uh not to uh, put a lightsaber up to car plots but he might deserve <laughs> it he might deserve it but yeah, I, this actually makes a lot of sense to me that if she's putting together the story, if she feels she needs to, maybe she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe she's made a choice and she's happy where she is. She's Ray Skywalker and doesn't need to turn around. I get that. But maybe at some point she does. So yeah, exclamation point on that. Yes. Yeah, I'm so intrigued by this because I honestly feel like it could maybe even be a comic or novel because I, I feel like they're in this place with mm-hmm. uh, the sequel trilogy characters of like, Obviously, a lot of people would love to see more stories, but like, how do you tell stories while still kind of leaving the door open for what if 10 years from now they all want to get back together? Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is one that makes sense to be like, uh, okay, well, this is a story that we could tell because it is mostly about her kind of taking those next steps toward the future of Mm -hmm. putting her past uh, in context so she can move forward. Um, So that that's really thrilling to me. I think in my head canon. Uh, Ray's trip to Tatooine at the end of Rise of Skywalker is part of a larger pil- pilgrimage, you know? Yes, right, yes. I-, I think she has flown out to the remains of Alderaan. Um, I think she's maybe visited Dagobah. I think she is, you know, uh, spent a little bit more time just meditating on, on Ajin Kloss. Uh, I think that there is a real, like, I am trying to honor and, and put into context the lives uh, of these people who've meant so much to me right yeah and and ends up at tatooine is the right place to to bury the sabers alongside with the the uh the skywalker matriarch of shmi right yeah um but that idea of like is that is this part of that pilgrimage or is it like that was my pilgrimage to to say thank you and goodbye to the skywalkers even though they'll always be with me Mm -hmm. uh and next up this much harder pilgrimage of do i want to do this because i know it'll give me closure but is it just going to rip open old wounds? Right. And that it's so, it's so fascinating because it's a, a good complex journey for a character like Ray. Uh, the, uh, like a book, like the journal, like a, the journals of Ray, like the new journals. Cause there's been some journals of Ray, hasn't there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's uh, some real interesting and powerful where she is at the end of that journey. And I, I'm with you too. That I don't think there was just a day trip out to Tatooine. No, I don't think that was just a, a quick bop. I think there was a, a lot of a, a lot of heart and thought in it. Yeah. The yeah. other thing about this that's interesting to me about her first steps, she is so she's clearly taken the time. She's made her blade. Uh, she is thinking about the meaning of it. She has given lots of thought, all of her experience of what does it mean to be a Jedi, you know, and she has read those books cover to cover <laughs> yeah. and she's charting her path. So the other intriguing thing to me about this is like, OK, if I went back to Jakku because I need to face my past so it doesn't become you know this thing that haunts me Mm. and I need to hear about my parents from people who meant them it's like okay so while I'm here as a Jedi and I know Onkar Plot has a unjust system where he hoards food 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uses it to starve people to work for him. Should I just lightly do something about that? <laughs> you know, like I, I like the idea that like I'm here on Jakku to bust up your unjust system and redistribute, you know, the food portions. Yeah. <laughs> and while I'm here, because you don't have a say in that, I'm I'm taking apart your business on Carplot. Um, but and while I'm here, do you want to talk to me about my parents? I, I really like this idea. Portions for everyone. Just starts th- throwing them around. First round on me. No, that that would that would uh, that would track. That would track for where Ray is as a Jedi and and as uh, someone who wants to uh, not destroy the past, heal the past, and heal and grow from the past. Yeah, yeah. Healing the past. A journal by Ray Skywalker. <laughs> That's my portions. <laughs> we joke but this is yes the uh the answer to this question is a resounding yes that's a great yeah. uh a great story a great idea and hopefully we'll hear more ray stories in the future either the near future or the far future uh we're gonna move on now to questions from patrons on patreon first up is adam knight adam says what's the over under of an omega omega reference in the book of boba fett Moreover, what kind of blowback will we have within the community if we don't get a reference to Fett's quote-unquote sister uh, that we will never know even existed prior to six months ago? <laughs> Keep up the great work, Force-centered team, smiley face. Uh, Adam always asks great questions, uh, and poking some good fun at uh, the way that we can react as a community of sometimes uh, wanting more things connected to lore, sometimes getting frustrated because uh, things uh, are too connected. <laughs> it's sometimes hard to get the uh, the Star Wars porridge to just the right lore temperature. Uh, so, Ken, where do you go with this? Do you think that there's going to be a reference to Omega? Do you want one? I I want an o, o, a, a reference to, I was going to say, an O reference to Omega. Uh, <laughs> Omega, uh, I, I want one. I really want one. Um, I don't think we're going to get one. I, why? I don't know why. I think Filoni, if he's involved in any way, he's always going to look at the uh, the salad bar and see what uh, toppings he can put on his uh, salad for us all to enjoy. Uh, so it, it, it wouldn't be, a, it's not a giant leap to think that it would be. Uh, uh, that she would be referenced in some way. I just think it seems like be jumping the gun a little bit on it because that might be the bad batch, you know, that's bad batch's story to tell in a way. And, and, and I think you and I are of, of the hope, not necessarily the opinion, the hope that a young Boba Fett shows up in bad batch. Uh, I just, that makes a lot of sense to me. So I'd maybe be willing to wait for the answer over there as opposed to here. Yeah, I I don't think we're gonna get a uh, Boba Fett monologue on his uh, his sister. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely not. And uh, there's a great Tamar Morrison quote of like, "Yeah, you know, we open up the can, and Boba Fett's got a lot of answers about his past. Some of them very short. Some of them very long." Yes, <laughs> which I still think is maybe Tamar Morrison's uh, reaction as an actor of like, "You gave me a lot of long monologues to memorize." <laughs> yes, uh, but who knows? Uh, I, yeah, I mean. I think that uh, I trust Filoni to uh, handle this um, well. And Rodriguez and Favreau and and all the showrunners and writers of of Bad Batch as well. If I had to guess, I I would think that there isn't going to be a reference. But if it is, I think it would be something really cryptic, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. I think it would be something like, you know, if somebody asked Boba Fett, you know, have you had family? And he said, you know, I've, I've had some, you know. Yeah, family, yeah, a few. There's something that just kind of leaves the door open and feels like a really um, 
a great nod to those of us who are excitedly watching Bad Batch and are excited for the second season and, and hoping for more about the connection between Omega and Boba Fett. I think the important thing to me is whatever is going to happen in season two of Bad Batch, it is well and truly known at Lucasfilm, right? Yeah. Uh, because yeah. of the schedule that animation is on. So they could be teeing up something uh, with a cryptic reference that we might see in season two. And and I'd be a big fan of that idea. Uh, yeah, and you're right. The, it wasn't it uh, Bad Batch's uh, version of Fennec Shand was probably uh, in the design, uh, you know, uh, design halls uh, sooner uh, than the uh, live action. <laughs> Yeah, uh, just the way it is. But yeah, that actually kind of worked for some of that. You, you go back and go, oh, it was right there in front of us the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And in terms of the, the kind of blowback, you know, Ad, Adam's having some fun, I think, uh, asking a, the question in a in a jokey way of, like I said, sometimes people want more connection. Sometimes people want less connection. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing for me is uh, for Bad Batch season two, wanting to see Boba Fett kind of complete his arc, get into uh, from being a young bounty hunter to get into the armor and really uh, stake his claim on in that uh, part of the timeline being the baddest of the bounty hunters um i really want that not just because i i want familiar characters i continue to just be really interested in the relationship between boba fett and omega because they sounds like they're both uh relatively unaltered clones that's what we've always been told about boba that seems to be what is being told to us uh, about omega and the it, it's not that i want boba fett and omega to like meet and talk because it'd be yeah. you know cool it's that i want them to handle that relationship because it sheds light on how they feel about their own identities of mm-hmm. you know what does it mean to be a clone and it sheds more light on just the idea of what does it mean to be a clone in general it's such a uh powerful star wars idea about what makes you who you are and the idea of uh, found family and different versions of family being, you know, legitimate, you know, everything from Ray being a Skywalker to Han and Chewie being, you know, each other's, you know, person, yeah. <laughs> even in all the other relationships they have, they're that, that unit of two, that family of two. Uh, and I'm really interested in it, uh, not for the lore, not for the, any sort of nostalgia pop, but for what it could tell us uh, about who they are. Mm. Yes, and, and I know we're going to discuss it as we dive in a little bit more, getting ready for Boba Fett, uh, the book of Boba Fett. But h- how much of his clone cloneness is is dealt with in the show is still a big mystery to me. Um, so, but it's also very, very, very key. It's very important, uh, and I don't think they're going to leave that off the table uh, for too long in, in in content around Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of exactly how Boba Fett feels about it, it is uh, it's one of his key nouns. It is. It is, but I do. You've, you're kind of indirectly pitching a sitcom that we could have of uh, <laughs> Boba and Omega, uh, like a theme song of "He's the Alpha, She's the Omega, They're Clones from Camino." <laughs> yep, I would absolutely happily watch the Fets at Home. Yeah, great, great sitcom. Yeah. Uh, all right, any other thoughts before we move on to our final question? Oh, great one, Adam. All right, we'll move on then to our question from Kyle Bratt. Uh, Kyle says, no one delivers exposition like Rick Ollier. I love his wonderfully clunky dialogue explaining to Anakin and the audience the world of Coruscant. It got me thinking about any scenes that could perhaps benefit from a little bit of Ollier magic. <laughs> yes. After watching The Rise of Skywalker for the first time, I was ready for a fun discussion with some friends. 
But before we got into the bold creative decisions, my friend said, you realize that was Mustafar in the opening scene, right? And I was shocked. I hadn't recognized the planet. How could I have missed it? Then I imagined Rick Ollier somehow returning. <laughs> Maybe piloting one of those uh, TIE fighters in the opening shot and explaining to his wingman and the audience that it was Mustafar they were flying over. The entire planet is one big volcano. I wonder how many casual fans watched the movie and didn't realize it was the same planet from films past and how Ollier could have remedied this. This is all a long way of asking that if you could insert Rick Ollier into any scene in any Star War, regardless of where in the timeline, to utter a line of exposition, maybe including a detail known by you from the wider canon sources, where would you place him? What would he say? And why? This is a very, very fun question. Just celebrating the exposition of Rick Ollier. Where do you go with this, Ken? Uh, look, first of all, I will say I did not immediately think Mustafar in Rise of Skywalker. I went, the planet's kind of like Mustafar. Never thought that it would be uh, until a g- couple moments later. Uh, so I'm with you there on that uh, whole thing, Kyle. This is a great thing. I uh, love this. And I, so Joseph, I kind of was like, where do I need Rick Ollier's help? <laughs> and like, where do I feel just whether or not I have more of the answers now, where at the time was I like, wait a second. So I might put him somewhere in uh, the force awakens. Mm. And there was always that kind of thought of, uh, Hey, we, uh, we love force awakens, uh, but uh, the, the state of the galaxy, the, the, the state of the politics of the galaxy, may, maybe we could have got a little bit more of that, but Hey, we understand why they didn't. Right. But that was, that, that's always been the conversation. That was definitely a conversation 2015 and 2016. But there were some moments where I, I, I needed to maybe wanted to have it uh, put together a little bit more. Uh, not saying it need the film needed it, but me as a fan, I uh, was like, oh, I wish I knew that a little bit more. And, and I think Rick Ollier would come in there or he'd be saying, you know, things about like, well, the, the New Republic has deemed Leia a warmonger. Uh, they're not on our side. We had to form our own resistance. Uh, Akbar came out of retirement, like all those kind of things. Uh, yeah, would be great. Yeah, and like the uh, the the crawl says that uh, the the resistance acting kind of on the behalf of the republic, right? I don't remember, yeah. but it's like it feels like the new republic's kind of like, yeah. I mean, we we don't want an army, but we're gonna kind of look the other way, and we will, you know, receive your uh, emissary Corsella to try to talk us into being all the way on board with this. Yeah, if Rick Ollier was just at that uh, meeting uh, where they're planning what to do with the circular base and just explaining. Yeah, <laughs> to somebody beside him, uh, may, maybe a uh, sergeant, a uh, salty, uh, sharp, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> salt taster from the Last Jedi, explaining to them the state of the galaxy, and he's yeah. like, "Yeah, no, I know, I know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah." That's that would that'd be good. Be good. See, the First Order had uh, control of some space, and everybody just thought they'd stay there, but now they're expanding. Like, oh, okay, good. yeah, or you know, when they bring up. Uh, Bring up the, the hologram of Starkiller Base and Rick Ollier just goes, that's Ilum. <laughs> the Jedi used to get their crystals there. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing that powered the Death Star, which this is similar to, but larger. Yeah. <laughs> they, they decided to go right to the planet because the Death Star, the first one, took long to build because they're having build because they're having problems <laughs> with the Kyber crystals. But the second one, they'd worked it all out and they had the Kyber crystals already and I guess they just did it much faster. <laughs> That's where I uh, needed him. Yeah. 
I think uh, my mind just started going everywhere. And so the first place my mind went is it would be great if we could just uh, hire the actor, uh, Ralph Brown, mm -hmm. to do in-character commentary for every Star Wars film, like the old director's commentary, but just oh. as Rick Ollier, just every time that anything came on the screen, just saying what it is in one detail about it. Dagobah, very muddy. Yeah. Yeah, I need that, actually. I love Ralph <laughs> Brown. I mean, since Wayne's World 2 and his uh, Brown M&M story. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. How do we get, how do we make that happen? What? Yeah. yeah okay. I would love that. Look at yeah. Disney Plus. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I thought of uh, two other concrete examples. Uh, one being, um, I would love it if his spirit was somehow haunting Octo. Not implying Rick Ollier is a, a Jedi, but if he was just like, because there are so many little just Easter eggs, right? He's like, yeah. oh, Luke got that compass in the video game. <laughs> Probably shouldn't say in the video game Battlefront 2, but maybe he would. <laughs> he got that on that planet. I'm, I'm spacing the name of the planet where uh, Luke got the Billio, compass. In Billio, the video game. Yeah, yeah. Billio, Billio. I was going to say Scipio, and I knew that was wrong, but it isn't Eo. <laughs> That that Luke got that compass from the Emperor's vault on Pilio. Yeah. Hey, that necklace has got a shattered Sith Kyber crystal on it. And then, like, <laughs> you know, the nutritional benefits of Thalassiren milk are really great. You can go two days just on one pint. This is great. I love this. Yeah. So many things to point out on Octo. Yeah. Uh, and then, Ken, uh, my favorite thing in nature documentaries mm -hmm is it, it first happened to me and I think the first planet earth where you're watching like seven episodes straight where David Attenborough is the you know narrator somehow knows everything about the life of every instinct insect insect uh every you know mammal every whale that is encountered and then eventually uh you get to a moment where David Attenborough says like those monkeys attacked each other and we don't know why and it's so terrifying because if David Attenborough doesn't know yeah <laughs> nobody does so i would like to see rick olier in saw's hideout and just pointing at the borgala and just being like i don't know what that is or what it does <laughs> i don't know how it works kids yeah oh, that'd be great yeah i think can we, can we how about this can we just get ralph brown to do the audio uh the audible versions of the visual dictionaries <laughs> oh that would be really really great yeah the yeah, or since we're making Ray's journal, we could make a uh, Rick's journal too, and it's uh, just like these absolute short, childlike sentences. <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> just basic descriptions of things. I had lunch. It was a sandwich. Half of it was made of meat. Uh, yeah, that was a shock. Uh, shock meat. Look, and here's the thing: is like George R. R. Martin. You know, anytime he writes one of his own history books, it's some unknown a new maester character that's telling you the story and it's really effective so i think uh he could be along with beaumont ken they can switch off yeah they yeah we, we gotta shout out beaumont because he yeah. he took a lot of the uh expositional weight off of uh, old rick Ollier's shoulders in rise of skywalker oh that's amazing great yeah. stuff. that's great absolutely great very fun question kyle and yeah my final thought uh poor mustafar uh, the next time it's in a film it needs to be made very clear since it didn't get its label in rogue one yeah. <laughs> or didn't get clarified in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, it deserves its set. Maybe, you know, welcome to Mustavar, just a sign uh, as you enter into into the territory, sir. Yeah, a blinking sign in space that yep. says, welcome to Mustafar. I think that would be great. Uh, thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Phyllis and Chubby Gamer for your great questions. 
questions. That's it for the questions, Ken. That is it. Uh, but uh, we want to let you know where you can find us. We are on Twitter at Force Center Pond. We are on Instagram and YouTube as well, where we rebroadcast audio versions of our show there. No faces, just our audio. Um, <laughs> that's our promise to you. That's no our, faces. <laughs> yeah. Uh, dark Sides, cloning. I think it's only the Sith name. Uh, Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. We are available in a lot of different spots. We made the big switch to Acast. You can check us out there, uh, or you can go to iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other places. Some more coming soon. Once I, you know, kind of shake the cobwebs of travel off of me, uh, I'll be working on adding us to some spots there as well. Uh, uh, merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash force center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, from there, you can get to our discord. If you want to have a great conversation uh, where, uh, you know, you celebrate star Wars every day with the Force center friends there. Uh, you can follow me at cat knapsack or go to my website, catnapsack.com. Uh From there, you can find out things I do. And you know, uh, Joseph, it's just kind of, this is the way we close your show. And sometimes we do it on autopilot. It was Every person from Force Center land who came to the comedy show was like, oh, I heard you talking about it at the end of the show. So, hey, Aww. thanks for listening to the end of the show. The system works. <laughs> I so love it when a system works. Yeah, uh, be good on my website when I start adding shows for uh, 2022. Joseph, what about you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I am having fun as always uh, making some jokes and in particular sharing some uh, short videos about the action figures that I don't open. Well, many of them, most of them, Star Wars action figures. Uh, you can also check out all of my other comedy adventures, uh, old comedy albums, uh, shows, uh, books, all that kind of thing on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Check it out. Check it out. All right. Big look ahead. Not quite a preview, just a fun, exciting guessing game slash getting uh, ready for Boba Fett coming your way here uh, on the show. We got the Clone Wars report, uh, Star Wars rank special uh, Christmas uh, morning edition coming your way. It's a big week. And uh, as we get ready for a big year in Star Wars, thank you all for the support. Uh, we'll see you next time here on Force Center. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.